I am Robert M. Price. I'm Dr. Daryl Ray. And- Hi, I'm Karen Lumley Care. Hi, I'm Aaron Roy. Hi, I'm Marissa Alexa McCool. Hi, I'm Jerry DeWitt. Hi, this is David Smalley from Dogma Debate. Hi, this is Dan Barker. Hi, I'm John McComb from The John McComb Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Drance. Hi, I'm Richard Carrier. Hi, I'm Rhonda Tyson. Hi, I'm Seth Andrews. I'm host of The Thinking Atheist. Hey, guys, I'm Kara Santa Maria. Hi, I'm David Fitzgerald. Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton. Hi, this is Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Distance, and we took a left of the valley. We did take a left of the valley. And a and, wrong turn in Albuquerque. And then like, the left of the valley goes right to a glory hole. It's like <laughs> right to a glory hole. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an Coming at you from Secret Lair on the third floor, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I tell you there are two types of people. Those who can extrapolate from incomplete data. And those that don't finish their sentence. Well done. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that can scientifically prove that shins are devices for finding furniture in the dark. <laughs> she was asked if she slept well. She said no, she made a few mistakes. Nancy. <laughs> If I made a few mistakes, it's definitely Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) He ran into his ex, but he swears the light was green, Scott. (gasps) Seriously, it was only $164 fine. (laughs) (laughs) And she's a psychic amnesiac, which means she knows in advance what she'll forget, Christina. It comes in really handy. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, welcome back. Uh, I hope you guys had a great week. Um, not really. (laughs) I wrote wrote an exam this week. Oh, wow. How'd that go? I'm hoping I passed. I'm thinking 70%. Was it it for your driver's license after you hit your exit? No, no. I'm taking taking those occupational health and safety courses in BCIT. He's going to be our safety Legislation. Are we safe? Legislation. No, we're not. We're not safe? Trust me, we're not safe here. Uh, Doing the podcast, we're not safe? It's a third floor thing. you got no railing out there. (laughs) (laughs) When are you going to get that fixed? (laughs) (laughs) It's just in case one of us decides to be suicidal. (laughs) (laughs) Decides to be suicidal? (laughs) Well, you know. That's my current. It's been a horrible state. show. It's been a horrible show. I'm jumping out the window. Can't when somebody take this anymore, okay, Kevin. when somebody provides evidence of God, I will jump off the third floor balcony. <laughs> That's my promise. That's my pledge. With with or without a parachute? Without. Well, a parachute wouldn't work in three floors. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be interesting experiment. <laughs> I would love to do that off the CN Tower. Anybody else with me on that? What? I want to jump off the CN Tower. But can we jump do it in the, the in the squirrel wing suits, suits wing suits? And I'm betting. I'm betting you'd probably get in a lot of trouble for doing and it. And then you like go fly around the city, and then, and then <laughs> use your parachute. You know, this, this we've already we were like three minutes in the show, and I can t- already tell this is going to be the was without a doubt the worst episode ever. <laughs> and I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goody, after three years, we finally hit rock bottom. I, just, <laughs> I thought we would hit a lot sooner, but <laughs> finally made it. <laughs> hey, 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 I have not begun to defile myself yet. 
So today we're going to be talking, we're going to have a guest later on, and we're going to be talking to Aaron Bays. He's our friend from the CFI, and he's also a brony. So we're going to be talking about My Little Pony on this show today. <laughs> Pretty cool. And it is, apparently it's a thing. It's a thing. I had no idea. Well, Aaron's a, She's with he's Benjamin a curious Martin. guy. He's into, a, he's into a lot of exciting stuff. Yes, so it'd yes, be interesting. <laughs> I like the guy. Bronies. He, yeah, That's I mean. interesting. You got to love yes. Aaron. He's, he's almost random in a way. I mean, he went the other day and decided to buy cows. So he bought, himself, he bought himself four cows. Like well, the calves, That's right? That's awesome. So <laughs> he's got he's got a nice little piece of land. So now he's got sheep and cows, <laughs> just as pets. It's not like he's <laughs> oh, farming. Hey, cows man. are awesome. Yeah, but I so. but I think they're all bulls, which yeah. is going to yeah. be very interesting. He also told me that he sold two of them. Now. He did. Oh, good. I can speak. Yeah, I was going to say four four that bulls. That sounds interesting. Once they start to, uh, I, I, yeah. yeah, I guess somebody finally told him the difference between cows and bulls, <laughs> and he said, "Oh, <laughs> you don't milk them the same way." <laughs> <laughs> okay. How do you fix a bull? Uh, you castrate it. Do you How really do want to know that, Scott? Uh, I believe they used to put an elastics around the testicles. I've done that with a goat. They still do that. Okay, <laughs> that is a very sad day when you do that. To, there were five of us standing there, and the guy who owned the goat got the rubber band ready and snapped it over his junk. Mm-hmm. And the poor goat made this 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 really plaintive. And the five of us all went, oh, oh, you poor bastard. You know, this show is just the right. <laughs> See, you, you said we hit rock bottom just hit a rock bottom. early. <laughs> Although I must point out, bulls are not as bad as people think they are. <laughs> okay, uh. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh, so, but first we'll do a bit of chit chat. Bully, bully. Oh, so. Sorry. So, you guys hear that uh, Gord Downey of the Tragically Hip died? Very sad, very sad. Yeah, uh, he was the frontman of the, uh, the, the Canadian band, the Tragically Hip. He's dead at 53 years old, brain cancer. It's, it was called a Gaglioblastoma. Oh. Uh, he announced his illness in, uh, on May 24th of last year, 2016. Uh, he did a final tour with the band. Uh, he was a huge supporter of indigenous people. Oh, really? And uh, the Tragically Hip, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's well-known here in Canada, but it's also well-known around the world. They won 16 Junos, the Order of Canada. They're in the Music Hall of Fame. They have a, a star on the, the Walk of Fame. And they also have an honorary fellowship with the Royal Canadian Conservatory of Music. Oh, cool. Yeah, so... They did well. They did very well. You know? Well, it's and good music, well, their music, so. Their music was really good. Yeah, and uh, unfor- unfortunately, he's dead at the age of 53, so... Thank you so much for the memories, Gordon. Are, are they? I've heard that they're considering making uh, a day dedicated. Uh, so I heard. Yeah, and the, 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 they really have a nice little place in the uh, heart of the Canadian population, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, anyway, unfortunately, his voice has been silenced forever, except in our minds, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> or when you're listening to a tune. That that's the nice thing about recording. It really does live on after you. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, did you guys hear that Quebec has passed a religious non-neutrality uh, law? I didn't hear about yes. this. This yes. is where um, the, 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 uh, the premier, which is uh, Philippe Couillard, basically said, I should see your face and you should see mine, which means it's called Bill 62. It means anyone giving and receiving public services mm-hmm. must have their face uncovered, which, of course, aims at the uh, decab and the burkas yeah. and stuff like I- that. 
I'm wondering why there's such a backlash about this. I, I happen it's to agree understandable. with it. Yeah, I, th- there was a backlash, and I'm trying to figure out exactly where it's all coming from. And I'm very confused about the whole thing, yeah, to tell you the truth. I'm very confused about I, I heard that there was people calling for it. It was basically, um, it was anti-Muslim, and it was uh, uh, racist, and yes. it was um, taking, is, control, you, taking control yeah. of women. That was that was the big one I heard. It's women should be allowed to do what they want. Well, that that's the whole point. Women should be allowed to do what they want. Get the face covering off of them, please. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for a woman to ever hide her face. And in our country, in the Western civilization, not just Canada, you identify people by their face. Yes, exactly. Now, uh, I, there's a little bit of um, the uh, the outsider might not understand this, but, you know, as Canadians, we have a tendency to watch our media and uh, listen to what happens in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a tendency to follow suit. Yeah. When you're in Quebec, you don't look south. You look east. You yeah. look to France. Right. And they, 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 they are having a lot of issues in France with the Muslim immigrants and mm-hmm. all that. So I'm not surprised to see this bill in Quebec. I'm really not surprised mm-hmm. to see that. Uh, what I, I am also surprised at the backlash. Uh, I, I, so far, I think the bill is... Uh, I haven't looked at the bill in detail, but mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the, what they're trying to do, I think, is right. I mean, how many times have you had these conversations saying, well, if you walk into a bank, you really shouldn't be covered like a ninja. Yeah, and I agree. So when you're getting public services, why all of a sudden should you? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because like, like if you, if people can't tell that you're you, then how do they know you're the person that yeah, you say you are? Exactly, right? Like say, say for example that uh, you're, uh, you're you're a Muslim woman and 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 you're I don't know let's say you're receiving a welfare check or something like that mm-hmm. uh, or an unemployment check and you you go into Canada Services and. You're wearing a full niqab. How do I know it's actually you I'm giving mm-hmm. a check Exactly. To? Well, I, I, I was thinking the same thing, but I used voting as my... Voting you know, is a good, idea, a good do you, What do you do? Voting. Do you do yeah. thumbprint? Do you do, because in some cases, it really doesn't make any difference. No. You know, if someone's working in an office and, and so forth. But this is just public service. So does that mean nurses, and, uh, or does that mean just government? The, the law is relatively broad. Some people are saying it might actually spread all the way to to the point of you're getting on a public bus. Yes. You shouldn't have a face covering. I agree. You know, you go into a post office, you shouldn't have a face covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, God knows how far it'll go. Um I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I think I, I still go back to what I've always said. Eventually, we're going to have to come to a point that our rights and freedoms, because, you know, we do have freedom of religion and all that, and that's fine. But it's going to have to be on a scale. Mm-hmm. You know, the freedom of religion is going to have to be more or less important than other freedoms. Yeah. Well, it's like, the, I remember a case a few years ago where there was, um, I think it was some an individual who was Sikh, mm-hmm. and they were able to bring a knife. Yeah, the, the kippon. And was it into parliament or... I know it was into some building that you normally weren't allowed it's weapons. It's a ceremonial dagger. Mm-hmm. And I happen to, my own personal opinion, I don't agree with it. Yeah. I, I don't think any weapon, there, no, there are places on. that are weapon free. No, I, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. for half a second there because there are some coupon that actually look like a nice decorative knife yeah. that'd be functional but there are other croupons that are like outrageously out of shape and they're very decorative and you, yeah. you would hardly think of it as a weapon okay and if that's the ceremonial part of wearing it then great wear that yeah. but not a real knife 
Exactly. But not, you can, not, remember, not in those places where it's weapons free. Remember, as a, as well, a yeah, seat, you're a war of God, right? Uh, yeah. That's how they see it. To me, the question is, what is the history of people pulling the knife out and killing people in public? No, I agree. There isn't, there, there, there no, isn't any. No, there's, there's not, but there is a history of people pulling knives out and killing people in public. So now you have to say, I know, I'm not they, allowed to carry a six-inch knife around. I am not allowed to carry a six-inch knife around because I've never killed anyone in public, but I'm not allowed to carry that knife around because somebody else did. So why are we allowing someone for religious purposes to carry a knife around? No one should be carrying knives around, period. Uh, yeah. That's the... Oh, I, if you're going to apply a law, area. the law has yeah. to apply to everyone. Well, Here in British Columbia, we allowed Sikhs to wear turbans to ride motorcycles. Yeah. Now... I don't have a problem with them wearing the turban to ride the motorcycle, but let's take away their right to universal health care while they're riding a motorcycle with a turban on. Because the reason we have motorcycle laws with helmets is because we're on universal health care, and I'll be damned if I'm paying for your head injury because you were an idiot. Yeah, well, the, if you start with that, though, then you got to start saying, well, what are people that start smoking? Should you take away if they have a well, lung cancer? And what are people that eat too much? Should you take away if they have a, ga a gastrointestinal bypass? I mean, it, it becomes a very big slippery slope really quickly sure, there. Sure, it does. But we're not talking about, nobody says that you have to ride a motorcycle. You no, do have to eat. No, no one's, you don't have to smoke, right? Well, no, you don't have to smoke, and smoking is a taboo now. Yeah, but it goes back to what I was saying. You know, if we did, if we had uh, rights on a sliding scale, then the right to security would mm. be bigger of a right than your right to religion. Totally. So there, there, you kind of solve the problem there, like that. But you know, God knows in the future we'll see. Yeah. Good conversation. Uh, I, I see. I see us having a lot of problems in the future, and they are, like you said, in France, uh, Denmark. And other countries in Europe are running into these problems now. Yeah. And they're big problems. And they're huge because they have huge uh, populations of immigrants who don't subscribe to the same way of thinking as the people from that country originally. Yeah. Well, one of, the, one of the things that makes me a little uncomfortable about burkas in public, and I think this is more of a contemporary fear, is that you don't know who's behind the face mask, and you don't know because they're very flowing mm -hmm. ropes. You don't know what they're carrying under there. So if you don't know, is that a woman? Is that a man? Is that someone yep. who's carrying something? And it, it's not, it has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with prejudice. It has to do with, in these times, we have to think of, as you're saying, safety. Is If there's a way to balance out the burqa and safety, I'm fine mm -hmm. with it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, you know, speaking of knife and kerpon, uh, my knife I was told is at least six inches. That's what my girlfriend says. <laughs> 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 All right, moving on. You and your girlfriend are You're both again, dimensionally challenged. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you saying? <laughs> I have a very manly knife. I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, did you guys hear about Bill S two thirty one? Nope. No. This is good news, actually. This is different. This is Journalistic Sources Protection Act. Ooh. Uh, oh, it is has, this the... It has a name. Yes, it has a name. It has received royal assent, which is a, it amends the Canadian law to protect journalistic sources. So, um, 
it's been tabled in November 2016, uh, following revelation that apparently there was a, an event where the Quebec police force had spied on reporters in 2013. Yes. So it allows journalists to refuse to disclose the disclosure of a source. Good. So now, now only a judge of a superior court can issue a warrant against a journalist. Nice. So that's very good news, especially for yep. journalism. I thought mm. they already had that. It's been in the U.S., but they haven't had that up here. Oh, I, I think they had something similar, but I think this one yeah. goes actually further. Okay. Because now it's only, like I said, a, a superior court. Then a judge can say, I need to know the source of that. Yeah, okay. So Good thing. Uh, well, speaking of, that's a good news story for the media, a bad news story for the media. Uh, you know the rebel media? The yeah, Ezra Levant, yes. Crash Course in uh, Racism, Anti-Semitic, White Supremacist crap. Ah! Yep. They were Fox News North for a while there. They were trying to bring that up here. <laughs> well, there's a guy named Hamish Marshall. He was a director, okay, of the Rebel Media. And now he's going to be running the 2019 conservative election campaign. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yes. Oh the leader, gosh. Andrew Scheer, the newly conservative appointed uh, <laughs> leader, Andrew Scheer, has recently appointed the uh, rebel media uh, ex-director, I say. Um, I don't know what to think about these guys. I mean, let come on. The, let the games begin. Yeah. They, they, I mean, rebel media recently had sympathetic coverage of Charlottesville just to get to, wow. to show you. Yeah, they're, they're like the Fox News North. They really and, are. And like Canada isn't really a place where conservatism is like huge. No. So like you're coming to an already place that isn't like a large population agreeing with you and you're bringing an, an insane person. Well, <laughs> I personally, this is just my opinion. I think they're just trying to do exactly what they did in the States. They're trying to bring... Because yeah. it, it has worked for the States, right? Yeah, but we aren't the States. <laughs> I, I know. And that's the thing that gives me hope, it, right? Is, yeah, but it, it would work here with the right people in the right places. Hold on. We have enough people here who are wing nuts. I, I agree. But I agree. they're way more fringe. Yeah. They, than I remember, the uh, what was his name? Uh, Kevin O'Leary, when he tried to run for the Conservatives? Yeah. Uh, you know, he was trying to bring Trump-style politics into Canada right away. He was saying the same kind of lines and right away... and. It didn't get any traction. So that gives me hope that the Canadian public doesn't seem to be reacting to that. And I hope it stays but that our, way. Our politics have been in flux now since the 80s in, in this weird What's been, thing since going Reagan, on. Since Reagan, right? Yeah, yeah, well, we had, I mean, we Reagan, had the conservatives. The the, the, when, it, when it was the progressive conservatives, we had uh, Preston Manning. Reform! <laughs> However he did that, right? Yeah. The West was completely loopy. They, they had gone completely nuts. No, I don't, I don't think it bodes well for the conservatives. I um, think it's a bad Which move. election is he? Um, 2019. Is it like um, a specific province or? No, it'd be federal. Federal, yeah. Okay. It'd be federal, yeah. And last but certainly not least, we got to talk a bit about uh, the uh, hashtag Me Too. Oh, I've never heard of that either. Yeah, well, oh, this, this, yeah. Uh, this goes after the uh, Harvey Weinstein uh, scandal. Oh. They got him fired. And actress Alyssa Manolo, remember her? Uh, she came out and she uh, exposed that her she also was uh, assaulted, accosted, whichever way. So she put out the hashtag Me Too, and that kind of flared all over social media. And encouraged a lot of women to write, you know, Me Too. You know, I too was uh, abused or I was, you know... Uh, I don't know what what term sexual assault or yes. harassment or harassment. Thank you. Right. That's it a, all that's comes down. It all comes down in my book to sexual assault. If it's sexual harassment, it's the same. In my book, it's the same as sexual assault. You you have to treat it the same. 
So if somebody's sexually harassing a woman, then they should be treated the same way as somebody who's raped a woman because that's what it's leading to. And you're condoning that activity if you don't. I, I, I agree, but, you know, uh, harassment is subjective in many ways, right? I mean, I could have made, I, 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 you know, just as an I, I example, guess, I guess that comment on my knife could have been perceived as harassment yeah, by sure. somebody who's it, very it sensitive. Could, okay. It could have. And, and if somebody is sensitive and they tell you, hey, that hurts me, and you stop right away and apologize, no foul. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is finding that they're having a problem with the way they're being treated and, and they say something and you don't stop, well, now you're assaulting them. Mm, yeah. you're, you're committing an assault. Well, I have, again, it's, it's my birthday is in October. I'm a Libra. I can't believe that stuff. I have, I, have mixed, I have mixed, mixed feelings. I think that the, I understand the Me Too. Being a woman, I understand the Me Too. But it seems as though... Every time there's any type of a campaign, it focuses on the woman, her feelings, what happens to her, and we we all understand the magnitude of the problem. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't understand the magnitude of, yeah. of the problem and how pervasive it is. The problem is is that the focus is to me is in the wrong on the wrong gender. It's the men who need to say I, you know, I, I don't understand what the problem is, but teach me. Let me know what it is. Let me know when I'm crossing the line. I don't understand. And if you, you, you focus on, on the man, you don't do this. This is what harassment is. And you make the laws stronger so that you don't have a creep like, you know, Harvey Weinstein for 30 years mm-hmm. being able to get away with it. And you yeah. change the you change the culture and you change the environment. You're putting the emphasis where it belongs on the man's behavior. However it's interpreted by a woman, it's the man's behavior. And he ought to know when he crosses the line, there are consequences. So it shouldn't be, it's fine to get it all out because women love to get it all out, and I understand it. But the focus has to be on the man's behavior. Mm -hmm. He was was an idiot. (laughs) I'm encouraged by the fact that when you look at the recently, uh, the the big cases, uh, you talk about Bill O'Reilly. You talk about Weinstein. Uh, what was that guy from uh, Fox there that was running Fox? Yeah, um, uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly. No, oh, no. the other guy. Yeah, uh, fudge. I forget his name. Um, Bill, Co- well, Bill Cosby and yeah, and and, and oh my God, Ailes. Yes, Roger Ailes. Thank you. These are big names, and they've been taken down, but are also the older generation. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic here that. The men come the generation after that have learned that lesson and are not going to act like these idiots. You know, that I, I'm sure there's going to be some that are going to still do these kind of things. I, I don't think so because it's generally the young. It's generally the young, the young guys, and the, the typical example is in New York, the younger construction workers that make life miserable for the women that. Yeah, that, but that, does that know. still actually happen? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it does. Oh. Catcalling and yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Cat calling definitely still happens. <laughs> yeah, and it does make it uncomfortable for a woman walking down the street. You know, I mean, she's unprotected. She's in the open, and all of a sudden, you have a bunch of guys who are cat calling and 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 making passes at her in a rude, mm-hmm. well, and disgusting way. Right? And when you, as a woman, you don't know how far they're going to go. Yeah, you don't know if they're feeding off each other. Like if yeah. 
and and you don't know if you actually physically threaten either, right? Well, and you don't know if if what like you don't know what options you have to get them to stop because one option is just like ah thank you and just walk away, but you don't know if that will encourage them yeah. or if you go ah oh, not okay if that will make them angry like. There's so many different things that can I, I really, happen. I really sympathize go. because as a as a, a regular male with a six-inch knife, <laughs> uh, I, if I walk down the street, it never, ever crosses my mind that somebody's going to jump me. And never, mm-hmm. ever, no. Even if somebody did, chances are they would actually regret that. <laughs> so, yeah. that was a bad decision? It would be a yeah, really be bad, a bad decision. decision. That's, that's I can whip out the, that knife real quick. That, that's where I come from. Uh, a yeah. bad decision if they if they decide to do... So, yeah, from our perspective, we can't We understand. don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe we can understand it. We can't empathize. We, yeah. Maybe we can empathize. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it. We can't experience it. There's, I, I there's see a difference it. between empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is yeah. I... I understand what you mean. Like I've been in that, so I can sympathize. Empathy is I can put myself in your shoes. That's without it. Having I can't do that. There. See, I can't put myself in your shoes. I can't say. Well, know, I mean, it's, I can't feel mm-hmm. that fear. It's, I can't see, feel see, that for me, like, trepidation, for lack of a better. As a woman, I'm so aware of everyone around me. Yes. Like I'm aware of which direction are they looking? Are they looking at me? How are they looking at me? Like. Yeah, are they I'm, looking at you? As, bus, are they looking are at they you sitting? as a person or as a piece of meat? Yeah, yeah. Like, are they checking out like my like my butt or my boobs, or are they like, oh wow, that's a nice outfit you're wearing? That's and, that's the yeah. thing, right? I mean, it could be just checking. Oh, wow, that's a nice outfit. Well, you're usually wearing, you, but, you can tell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, trust me, as a woman, you can usually tell. <laughs> I know sometimes even when you're like, if you're at work and you smile at a customer, just being customer service, sometimes you get the feeling it's just like. Okay, I'm just being polite. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't yeah. need to take this. I, I, I've noticed that as a guy, I can be walking down the street and you could tell by body language. Some of these women are very uncomfortable walking and you can tell by the way yeah. they walk, by the way they handle themselves. So, it's 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 a difficult... That, that is, you know, that's a big subject too because it it's... But we're not going to board that today, <laughs> obviously. Uh, that's, a, that's an entirely and different show. And a three-hour show. So, show. <laughs> but I will say... For all the idiots out there that are saying, well, you know, guys are getting raped too. You know, fuck off. You know, this is not about you. And it kind of reminds me, remember when we had uh, Marissa? Yes. I think she said it best. So she said... About uh, female rape, for instance. Mm -hmm. Someone will always say, well, males get raped too. The person who said that is not trying to have a discussion about male rape. They're trying to end a conversation that A, is not about them, and B, is making them feel uncomfortable. So, yeah, she said it best right there. Mm-hmm. No, so, I think I think we should cover. I mean, this is front and center again. It would be good to have a show devoted to it, you know, and cover all sides. The safety of women. Well, sexual harassment. Yeah, that'd be yeah. interesting. And the Me Too. I mean, all of it. Weinstein. That'd be interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll look into that. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, my dear Nancy, what do you have for us today? Not much. Okay, perfect. Let's oh. move on. <laughs> you have a, this day in history? Is that what you have? There we go. Yeah, we're going to do this day, this day in history. And since I was unable to be here last week, what I'm going to do is a little something different. I'm going to do this day in history, but I'm going to take this week and the past week and 
strangely enough, because we've been talking about women, I'm going to take some of the women uh, who made history uh, between October the 9th and today and uh, put a little spotlight on them. So with with a few little exceptions for, for other interesting things in history, here we go for some of the women. Um, October the 11th, way back in 1922, a lovely lady, I'm sure she was lovely because her name is one of the great, great <laughs> names in, in, in the uh, day in history, Alaska Packard Davidson. Ooh, that is she could one. run for, she, that woman could run for any office in any country with the name Alaska Packard Davidson. I Sounds mean, like it's, a photocopier. It's, <laughs> it's a great name. Anyway, she was born in 1868 and lived till 1934. And the reason she's prominent on the 11th of October is because she became the first female special agent at the age of 54. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she she really had a remarkable, remarkable history. She only served for two years. And after the two years, uh, newly appointed director J. Edgar Hoover decided he didn't like women. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't oh like gosh. women in the FBI. And so he, she was asked asked to resign. And it wasn't until 1972, which is shortly after Hoover's death and the passing of the Equal Opportunity Act, that women once again joined the forces of the FBI. But she she was one of the first. She lasted for two years she probably still be there she probably would have had a career even at the age of six, of, uh, of 54 because she was quite a woman even to gain you know that that position yeah. at, at the time so thank you Alaska Packer Davidson for your name and for your service um, in 1984. On October the 11th, Catherine Sullivan became the first woman to walk in space aboard the Challenger. So that's a, interesting between Alaska and, and Catherine, the differences, you know, of, of women being able to, to reach their potential, which was great. Um, October the 12th, a little bit different, uh, is uh, Free Thought Day, which was Free Thought Day in the States. And in 1799, really going back, Janine... Genevieve Labrosse was the first woman to jump from a balloon with a parachute <laughs> from an altitude of 900 meters. So it wasn't like the third floor where we broadcast. This is <laughs> 900 meters. Well, what people don't know is her husband was driving and she said, you don't know where you're going, so I'm jumping. Well, pretty much <laughs> because her husband was a fellow named Andre Jacques Garanin, and he was a hydrogen balloonist and inventor of the frameless parachute. So Labrosse, Janine, uh, first flew on the 10th of November in 1798. Wow. One of the early, yeah, one of the earliest women to fly in a balloon, and she subsequently became the first to ascend solo and the first woman to make a parachute descent from the gondola uh, on the 12th of October. And she filed a patent for her husband's parachute. But can you imagine, you know, how people, what people must have thought of her? <laughs> the 17th 
1700. Well, back then they had these huge dresses, right? So you had like a double parachute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, something interesting happened on the October the 15th, and that was the publication of a short history of atheism. We always like to promote hey. different books. Um, it, it was uh, the Library of Modern Religion, paperback, and it was in 2010 by a gentleman named Gavin Hyman, H-Y-M-A-N, and it traces the route by which modern epistemological discussion produced atheism. And he is a lecturer in religious studies at Lancaster University and the author of Predicament of Postmodern Theology. So anybody who wants to add a book to their atheist library, you might consider Gavin Hyman. So that takes care of the previous week. And coming up to this week, we have... A lovely. Well, let me do this one first, because this is this is kind of cute. It has nothing to do with women, but it's just one of those really cute little entries that I love to run across every now and then. On October the 18th, in 1961, Henry Matisse, and we all know the the um, 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 artist Matisse. Mm, yeah, yeah, Matisse. Yeah, sure. Right. How uncultured, Kevin. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Matisse, um, one of the one of the modernists, had a uh, a painting of his at the New York Museum of Modern Art, and they hung it, and it, everybody went by it and, and enjoyed it. And 46 days later, it was discovered that the painting had been hanging upside down. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so much for Henri Matisse. But this is such a cute story. You know, you'd think there would have been a label or an arrow. Imagine, the, imagine the first person that went in and was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> well, who discovered that besides the author? The painter himself was a bit. Yeah, I just, I don't know who did, but you know, then then you wonder, do I say something or do I? Just, someone who knew the painting must have said, "Wait a minute, guys." Okay, our last, our, uh, this is such a cute little story. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the weird and strange, so it's, no, no, but this is very sweet. 1918, a lovely, another lovely lady named Margaret Owen, a very practical down-to-earth name, Margaret Owen. You can imagine her as your teacher. Yes, Miss Owen. And you oh, can yes. Yes, her name is. At any rate, Margaret Owen set a typing speed record of 170 words per minute. Wow. Words. On a manual typewriter. Boom. I'm lucky if I could do 170 characters. Me too. That's what yeah, I thought it was at first. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Wonderful. Now, the, the fact that she did this is is a, is a wonderful achievement. You know, it takes us back to a slower day rather than everything fast, fast, fast. But the, the, the great thing about the uh, Margaret Owen is the way it was reported. And it was reported as though, you know, we could sit in front of the TV screen and watch it going on. But this is back in 1918. So it's the reporting. Here we go. The weather was perfect and the track fast. At the west end of the armory gallery, crouched over their machines, the girls and men waited. The business show on the floor below faded away into insignificance, while parents, sweethearts, and friends of the competitors crowded upstairs to see the start. Trainer Simmons of the Underwood team rushed from charge to charge, giving them final directions. Keep your eyes on the copy and hit the keys 
hard, he whispered, don't try to pocket that Remington entry. You can run her off her chair. That monarch filly looks good, but she'll blow at the half. She's got speed, but no stamina. A whistle shrilled. A roar of racing machines responded. The classic of stenography was on. At the quarter, the field was bunched with Miss Owen just hitting her stride. At the half, she led by a comma and two letters, closely pursued by Miss Rose Fitz, holder of the title in 1907, 1908, and 1909. Miss Owen then stepped on the throttle. Miss Fritz was game, and the pair swept into the third quarter, word and word. In the stretch, a semicolon caused Miss Fritz to waver, and she was lost. A full sentence ahead of the ruck, Miss Owen breasted the typewriter ribbon, and the race was over. What brilliant reporting. Isn't that wonderful? And that's a typewriter. You know, it just brings it all all alive. You can just picture it in in, in front of you. Now we should compare this to Donald Trump's tweets. (laughs) Typewriter race went good. Losers. Losers. We were enjoying 1918 for at least a minute there. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks, Kevin. (laughs) Way to bring us back to reality. (laughs) And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Oh, thank you, Nancy. That was well done. I I wish they had that kind of reporting today. Mm -hmm. I wish that was that was brilliantly written. Yeah. Well, okay, guys, let's get into our segment before we go talk to our guest. Let's go to our segment that we always love Call Another Brilliant Moment. Uh Uh-oh. What do you mean, uh uh-oh? (laughs) Uh-oh. It's always an uh uh-oh, another brilliant moment. There's never really, like, actual brilliant moments. That's not a real brilliant (laughs) moment. I mean, it's not... Uh, Critics, all of them. Critics. <laughs> it's almost like we're skeptics or something. <laughs> well, we were talking a lot about women today. So uh, the idea of women gathering to protest against feminism makes as much sense as vegans marching in support of cheeseburgers. But a group of Christian women recently gathered on the Washington Mall to dance, pray, and protest about a movement they feel does not represent them. For years, the feminists lied to us. Christian author Lisa Bevere shouted from the stage, They said for us to be powerful as women, we need to act like men. The women gathered on the mall, raised their hand in praise. Many spoke about their reasons for coming to a women's prayer rally on a muddy day in the mall, their desire to bolster women's in their God-given roles (laughs) as wives and mothers. They believe that women activism should make outlawing abortion a priority and their faith in the power of prayer to change the country's culture. Yeah. They made their husbands wow. proud. Oh. I, I think they misunderstand what feminism is. It's yeah. not trying to make women like men. Hey, well, not you really what it is. You can't have an opinion here. You're a woman. <laughs> Don't That's make right. me a sandwich. That's right. You're also outnumbered, Kevin. <laughs> Back in the kitchen, woman. Take them shoes off. Uh, let me just <laughs> let, let, let me just grab this arsenic. Maybe some rat poison. <laughs> I can get that. Just gotta make sure you get the weapons off the wall. Wasn't <laughs> close to her. She might just close. So, so these women, these oh, this is just sad. Yeah, it is, isn't it? it you know, is. no, it wasn't about. And, and yeah, radical feminists do say, "Got to be more like men, and you got to be there." Feminism is about equality. Yes. 
being equal, equal under the eyes of everyone. It's not so about in other words, like I don't man. see a woman when I see you. I see a person. And when you look back at me, you see a person. And we treat each other that way. What's the problem with that? Why do people not get it? Because, because, <laughs> because there are still a lot of women who really and truly believe that the man is the head of the household yeah. and they are submissive and their job is to stay home and rape, which is fine if they want to do that. It's the brainwashing that, yeah. that, that yeah. is. If they're is truly so, living that way, I feel sorry yeah, for them. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, mean, if, I go back to my grandparents and I watched, I used to think my grandfather was the head of the household because he spoke, my grandmother never spoke. She always stood kind of uh, to his side. <laughs> Behind. She's a woman behind Until the, the day he pissed her off. <laughs> and then I watched her rear her ugly head, and all he could do was put his head down. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, now we know who really is in charge of this situation, don't we? They shared equally. She allowed him to take the lead, but they were equal. And why can't people get up to that? You know, it wasn't that he was in charge. She allowed him to take the lead because it just was a natural thing for her to do. But boy, oh boy, make no bones about it. When there was a problem, she could make herself known, and he just sat back and went, yes, dear. <laughs> See, I, my, my number one uh, rule for a relationship was always she takes care of the small decisions. I take care of the big decisions. But she decides what's a big and a small decision. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And she'll tell you what it is. That's right. Oh, all right. Moving on. Jim Baker. Remember Jim Baker? Yeah. Oh, Christian brother. survivalist and cheaper <laughs> version of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> He's had it with his critics. The disgraced televangelist is demanding that mean people of America who make fun of him stop watching his show, which is essentially an infomercial for his doomsday food buckets. He's warning that there will be dire consequences for those who continue to watch and mock him. I wonder what those dire consequences are going to be. One day you're going to sh- quote. One day you're going to shake your fist at God's face, and you're going to say, "God, why didn't you warn me?" And He's going to say, "You sat there and made fun of Jim Baker all these years. <laughs> I warned you, but you didn't listen." Bah, wow, bah, this guy, bah. this guy, this guy's out to lunch. <laughs> he, he ought to like, be. He does buckets of food. <laughs> he, he ought to be made to eat the food. Remember, we covered that on the Quack Watch one maybe time. Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. maybe he's eating the food and it's just gone <laughs> Maybe that's it. He's eating the food. That's what's causing it. <laughs> wow. His mind is rotting from the inside out. Um, Baker was a staple of the 1980s televangelist circuit, uh, building a Christian TV theme park and resort empire worth $180 million. But it all came crumbling down when he resigned in shame after a sex scandal and eventually served four years in prison for fraud. That's yeah. right. But that guy has got God's back, and oh, God's yeah. got his back. Yeah, well, actually, I I went I, I went to that um, housing project, the uh, the community where he was building it. I actually had a chance to drive through there at the time. Oh, really? It wasn't bad looking. It was just the way it was, uh, the way the the, the the money. It was the financial aspect of it was a hundred percent crooked, and it collapsed. Yeah. I, I, I still can't believe to this day what people are listening to these televangelists. So many of them have been caught with their yeah. pants down. Some of them literally with their pants yeah. down. And, oh. Well, and then also, I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was Jim Baker, the, like one of his, like, re, like when he was, he was caught, like, in like these prayer sessions where 
people would think he was like getting this stuff from God, but it was really his wife. That was Peter Popoff. Okay, that okay. Uh, yeah, that was Peter. That was Peter Popoff, Popoff oh, okay. with, uh, and it's James Randi that exposed him. Got it. Because yeah, I'm like yeah. they kind of all just meshed together after yeah. a while. <laughs> now James Baker, uh, Jim, Jim Baker, Jim Baker got caught with his secretary. Yeah, and wow. he only had a three inch knife. <laughs> he got caught now, now. What was the circumstances of his getting caught? Oh, I was don't, that the, I don't mattress, was that the mattress of money? I know. Were, I don't were, know. I know he confessed, and I don't know whether Tammy Faye found out about it or the sec. No, I think the secretary finally came forward and and confessed because she was feeling as though she had committed a crime against God or something. She had to complain. He had like really really bad food bucket food the, breath. <laughs> that was before know, his was bucket like, oh, food. It just it amazes me that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Hypocrisy at its finest. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And you know, I hate to say, but P.T. Barnum was kind of right. There was a sucker born every minute. Although we did find out it wasn't actually him that said that, right? Yeah, but why is it vulnerable old people that are always the suckers in these cases? Because they're cramming down for the final exam. That's what they're doing. Oh. They're thinking they're going to go to see God soon, so they're cramming down for the final exam, trying to get extra credit. Wow. Uh, it's a sad state of affair. Cramming Whoa. down for the final exam. I like that. That's really, really apt, Kevin. Yeah, no That's... problem. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well done. Well, thank you guys for your thought. So we're just going to go on commercial break here, and we'll be right back with, what the hell is a brony? <laughs> so stay with us. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. People like Ray Comfort are fond of saying, what use is half a wing, right? Have you ever seen a f***ing penguin? <laughs> Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. And we're back. So we got a special guest today in the studio. We have our friend, he's a friend of the show, Aaron Bays. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us back on the show. Thanks for having me. So, um, Aaron, you're the uh, director of uh, CFI Vancouver. Anything you want to tell us about CFI? A brief, uh, before we go into our interesting topic, anything you want to... Maybe plug while you're there. <laughs> if you're looking for a global charity that you can make tax write-off donations to to help promote science and reason, uh, well, the Center for Inquiry is your go-to. Fantastic. What is CFI.com? CFI.org? Uh, CenterforInquiry.net. .net. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we're doing something very different. We're doing a show that that's really out of the ordinary. We're going to talk about bronies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea this was a thing. I've heard of it. It sure is. Yeah, I mean, I, I've of course, bronies refers to people that are fans of the My Little Pony show, and uh, I mean, I, I recall the My Little Pony show when when I was a kid. 
I mean, all the boys used to watch like Transformers and GI Joe and all that, and it was a girl a show that was much more uh, built to appeal yeah, to young my girls. Brother, my, my sister used to watch that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember it the same way. And in 2010, they rebooted it. Yeah. It became fourth generation My Little Pony and an entirely different monster altogether. Okay. Well, explain to us, what the hell is a brony? It's uh, basically a fan of, like you said, the show My Little Pony. Uh, it's a combination of the word bro and pony. Uh, you, sometimes we, if we make it gender specific, a brony is a guy and girls are called sisters or fillies. sisters or fillies? <laughs> There's a lot of puns in the. In the <laughs> At least they're not called mares or something like that. <laughs> it could be so, it could so, look somewhere probably. So you said this this is the the, the the show the original show was rebooted in 2010. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it it became an entirely different animal. Yeah, pretty much. It seems like the people working on the show actually grew up with it and put their whole effort into it, and uh, and it turned out pretty well. They got a lot of talent there. It's funny that you mentioned Transformers because it's actually the same studio that makes both shows. Yeah, it was uh, it was a Hasbro toy, was it not? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so uh, the My Little Pony started out as a toy, and then like much of the cartoons back in the '80s, they made a cartoon in order to sell the toy. But now it seems that the the, the cartoon, the television series, has taken a life of its own as they actually even surpass the uh, the. It's, becoming a selling feature for the toy. It, it it definitely promotes a lot of sales. You get a lot of adults out there with some pretty good My Little Pony collections nowadays. <laughs> and, and now, and now in uh, in the My Little Pony world, uh, you essentially uh, have adults that are becoming huge fans of what it's the show. It's uh, essentially. Oh yeah. So okay. So let's. I've got a little clip here. I want to uh, you guys to listen to. This is about two minutes. This is actually from the uh, the star dot uh, com, and they did a uh, basically a quick uh, video feature on bronies. So let's listen in. Let's. Just sitting here, I was just living day to day. I didn't really have anything to look forward to. As soon as ponies came into my life, I was like, wow, I never want the day to end. If you choose to be a brony in Appalachian Mountains, you're going to have problems. They had tire irons, baseball bats. They're all laughing and calling me name, gay, girly, queer. Sometimes I'll just listen to a lesson and go, oh yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Before I watched the show, I was kind of sad and lonely. And he said, what would you think, Mom, if I said I really liked My Little Pony? But her initial reaction was a bit like, eh, I'd be worried about you, Lyle. I'm not interested in watching My Little Pony. Well, when I heard about BronyCon, I decided that I really wanted to go. My son was hell-bent on going, so I feel like I got roped into it. Just being out of the norm, well, out of their norm, they just don't like that. I'm going to be who I am, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Now I'm here, 900 miles, of the biggest con, four times the population of my town is in this building. Before I was a Brony, I had about seven friends. When I became a brownie, I heard about a few hundred. Bronies are some of the nicest, most accepting people that I've met. It doesn't matter your age, your gender, no matter who you are, you can find a place in this fandom and you can be accepted. I wouldn't be surprised if My Little Pony has a hand in changing how people see things. I think it makes these little tweaks on people to sort of go, oh, okay. These bronies are taking these lessons to heart. We need to allow men to be sensitive and to care about one another and not call them weak for caring. Come on, everybody. 
pony smiles, smiles, smile. Thanks. Heart up with sunshine, sunshine. All I really need is a smile, smile, smile from these happy friends of mine. Yes, Isn't that something else? That's definitely uh, some pretty choice audio clips. <laughs> I, I, I like the father who said, I feel like I've been roped into this. Thought, How punishing is that? It definitely got a few themes going there, uh, starting off with the persecution. Yeah, sometimes being a brony uh, makes you a little bit of a rebel. It's not always popular or understood. And that might be part of the the appeal if you thrive on that that kind of conflict. <laughs> so this this is, this is an actual thing. This is a real oh, yeah. thing. Uh, when I first heard about it, I said, "No, you're kidding me." Oh, it has an, a huge community built around it. There's so much fan fiction and art and music and everything you can imagine and can't imagine built around this. Well, here's 21 things apparently you didn't know about bronies. Um, <laughs> Uh, the demographic of bronies is predominantly, but not exclusively, male. Approximately four out of five bronies are guys. Mm, I don't know if it's quite that much. I worked uh, the last three years at Brony Can, okay. which is the pony convention in Vancouver, which is also where the show is made. So we get to have a pretty good convention. And I worked at the registration desk there, checking IDs and using that software. I got a pretty good feel for who bronies are. I, I'm not sure it's quite 80% male. There might be a slight male bias, but it's not huge. Okay, so you'd say, what, 70-30? Maybe 60-40. 60-40, okay, 60-40. Uh, two, you may think, the, the, uh, while many think the main demographic is teenagers, the average age of a brony is 21 years old. Um, yeah, uh, and up. And up. Yep. Three, over half of all bronies are from the United States, uh, with no other country even making up 6% of the brony population. Wow. Hmm. That might have changed Where do you get these, this information? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, from Thought Catalog. Huh. Um, you can find conventions all over the world. If you're willing to travel, you could go to a different pony convention almost every weekend of the year. It could be America-centric, of course. Uh, like a lot of things are, but... Yes. Yeah. Number four. Interestingly enough, the percentage of bronies from the U.S. dropped 6% from 2013 to 2014, which means that the phenomenon is spreading far beyond North America. Uh, well, it's on Netflix now, so you can get it pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. Number five, one out of every four bronies report they've been in a serious... Well, uh, who cares? They've been in a serious relationship last year. Who cares? <laughs> Number six, the largest percentage of bronies that, uh, have never been married, while less than 1% of the group has formerly been married and now divorced. Married individuals only make up 5% of the group. Hmm. I'm not sure about that stat either. What does that stat mean? It doesn't mean Yeah, anything, what's really. implied by that? Yeah. How does that compare to the general population? <laughs> the continent with the least amount of bronies is Africa, which doesn't have a single country with more than one... No, I doubt that. <laughs> uh, the United Kingdom and Russia make up the biggest population of bronies in Europe, with Germany also beginning to grow into a brony hub. Hmm. Could be. Could be. <laughs> Uh, South America is one of the fastest growing brony areas in, as Chile, Brazil, and Argentina have become incredibly active with fans over the past few years. It's, it's just so easily adapted to the internet. It, it's, it's very popular with the internet, and I'd say that the, the fandom is probably more tech-savvy and pro-internet than your average group hmm. of people, and that surely makes it easy to spread around the world. In the U.S., Utah has the most bronies per capita, with nine out of every one thousand, one hundred thousand, sorry, people being a brony. Really? Yeah. Nine out of a hundred thousand. Yes. 
I think it's probably more than that. <laughs> I don't know, Mormon land? <laughs> uh, once you start flying that flag and, and people see that you're a bony, they come to you and say, hey, yeah, me too. It's, that's you, you surprising know, how many You say are. Mormon land, but they did let a, a, a pastafarian take his driver's license that's picture with a, with a colander on his head. So Also, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are maybe like secretly bronies too, right? I, I, I'm with Aaron. I'm, I'm with you on this, man. I, I, I think the population of bronies there is probably a little bit higher than what they're reporting. Hmm. This one says, the Calif- California has the largest U.S. brony population in any other state with 1,238 on record. <laughs> I'll bet it's a lot more than that. be a lot more than that. I'm pretty sure it is, too. I'm sure you can find more girls, specifically eight years old, who like their show than that. <laughs> The largest race of bronies is Caucasian, but the fastest growing group is Hispanic, which grew from 5% to 13% from 2013 to 2014. I haven't been keeping tabs on that, but it is definitely not a group that discriminates at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they were saying, whatever you've got going on, you're going to find you're, you're pretty much universally accepted it with bronies. <laughs> According to the 2014 census, there are even two bronies in Antarctica. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't that make Antarctica the uh, highest uh, percentage per population? There's more, there's more bronies than that in the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> the most isolated brony in the world is apparently the lone brony in Fiji, <laughs> nearly 2,880 miles from his fellow bronies in Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently, there's one brony in Fiji. It could be more than that by now. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to Snopes that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly one in ten bronies are active members of the military or were part of the military mm. service in the past. Uh, well, that's the case for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, were, you were part of the military. You were a military man. Yeah. Um, 65% of bronies report that they are heterosexual with no interest in the same gender and with less than 10% saying they were exclusively homosexual. Wow. Uh, the because the community it, it, is very friendly, like, yeah. Like it, uh, LGBT. Friendly, but like we but we we saw in the video there, some some kids were uh, some of these uh, teenagers were attacked and called uh, gay for for liking the the, the the My Little Pony thing. For sure, if you know yeah. nothing about the show except <laughs> exactly. what you remember from the eighties and nineties, you might think that's pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the most popular way to watch My Little Pony is, of course, YouTube. There we go. Hmm. Probably Netflix now. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Now that it's on Netflix, so that, that's pretty interesting. So, Aaron, tell me about yourself. How did you get into this whole brony phenomenon yourself? I had heard of the phenomenon. I was aware of it, uh, not actively seeking it. I was sitting on the couch one day with my daughter, who was two or three at the time, and I said, "All right, just please let this be better than Dora. Just anything <laughs> better than Dora." I wasn't setting the bar very high, right? (laughs) But a couple episodes later, I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be a thing for me now. (laughs) I can see the appeal. So so your daughter's to blame for this? Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe I was just looking for an excuse to try it. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. His his daughter's going, please put Dora back on. (laughs) Not anymore. No, she loves the ponies. How old is your daughter? Now she's five. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's it's still in that in that uh, that phase that she, she'll like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is it about the show that attracts guys like you to watch this? Uh, guys like me, I'm not sure. 
about me specifically. No, it, no, but okay. What, 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 it attracts, what attracts a lot of different people show. for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I could point out some simple things like the animation is quite charming. Uh, the voice acting is really good. It's funny. There's a lot of good pop culture references and uh, throwbacks to the 80s and 90s. And uh, there's those are the easy easy but, reasons. But then I'll go beyond that and say it's the morality in there. It's the the philosophy. It's not just your typical problems with uh, social interaction like don't steal and don't lie. They tackle things like fascism and not moving out of your parents' house soon enough. You know? <laughs> it, there's a, there's a lot of shows out there, to, uh, animated shows, whether it's something like a classic like The Simpsons or, or, or Family Guy or, or more recently the, the Rick and Mortys and all that. Yep. They all have a bit of a following. They've all got huge followings. They all have huge following, but th- this is this is something... But they don't have conventions every weekend. Exactly. <laughs> this is special. Yeah, I've never so, heard of a Rick and Morty convention. So. Well, I'm sure it's about to happen eventually. It's that sense of community, and it comes down to the whole theme of the show, friendship is magic, and... And that's what we value there is the friendship. So if you're two fans of that get together, it's like, hey, what do you like? Being friendly. Me too. So let's get together and hang out. So the moral lessons and the friendliness of the show <laughs> is what inspires adult males like yourself the, the, to become fan of the shows and then to that, follow it. That's certainly one appeal is, yeah, the, these ponies are outstanding uh, role models. Sure. Really? Wow. Uh, there's also constant themes of forgiveness and redemption. You see a lot of shows where it's clear who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. In My Little Pony, they frequently defeat their enemies and then befriend them, which is uh, which is uh, refreshing. Wow. It's it sort of in a world that's often really, really crappy. Yeah. My Little Pony is like a beacon of sun <laughs> you know it's a ray of hope it's, like, hey, it's th- that oasis where you can sit down and say okay the world is great today it, it just shows the potential for good that people have in a lot of cases wow. uh, at, at the charity or at the convention for example these conventions often raise a good amount of charity money and, and things like this as well so so give me if, if, is, there, is there an episode that I'm not going to ask you to describe an entire episode mm-hmm. but if you were one of the lessons quote unquote lessons you learned from one of the episodes you were watching Give me a synopsis here. I have no idea what, you know, I haven't watched the show. I haven't seen it. So, you know, if you were to describe to me what's going on in that show, what would you say here? <laughs> uh, it could go one of two ways. Generally, there are, the conflict in the episode is either going to be a friendship problem mm-hmm. or a monster problem. Okay. And often they intertwine. Uh, if it's a monster problem, it's likely a two-parter. There are a number of two-part episodes. <laughs> And does the monster represent in the in the episode? Does it have the tendency to represent a societal problem? Oh, is it, is it is it that in your face kind of saying you know there's a a monster that represents, for example, racism or something like that? Mm, no, it'll be a more a literal monster that's coming to destroy and hurt everybody. Okay. Uh, and then how do you how do you befriend somebody like this? Uh, it doesn't always work out that way. They're not always friendly in the end. Hmm. Okay, and the other type of show is the type of show you were talking about that uh, talks about uh, a problem between two of these ponies. Uh, yeah, learning a lesson show. about being assertive and just standing up for yourself, even with your own friends. Uh, is it okay to not hang out with people if you've got more than one obligation? Uh, I'm trying to think of episodes. They're not. That's exactly it. They're not easy to wrap up in a few words and describe. 
mm. the sort of dilemma faced in the episode. Okay, so and, and you feel that this medium is uh, speaks to children, obviously, and it speaks to adult as well. As to what they're yeah, trying to, to, to teach in their lesson, yeah. <laughs> wow. uh, there's definitely some some lessons for adults there. Like I said, uh, they deal with things like fascism, right? <laughs> you have uh, My Little Pony episodes that will deal with fascism. Yep, that was a two-parter as well. Oh, okay, explain that to me. I, I, I'm really interested that's, because that's was, was, there, was there like an so orange pony with everybody's Everybody's kind of special, right? And they've all got <laughs> these cutie marks, the little images you see on their hips. Okay. It has something to do with their personality and defines them as an individual. Okay, that's good to know. So they come across a village where somebody has used magic to remove everybody's cutie marks and replace them with an equal sign because we're all equal. Okay. And it also took away their special abilities and made everybody literally on par and equal. And this was just a horrible place. And so the ponies show up and they're trying to say, hey, maybe it's okay to be an individual and it's all right if some people are better at other things and they end up in prison undergoing psychological torture and their betrayal and all that. It just gets out of control. <laughs> so, so this episode obviously was focusing hard, uh, had a hard focus on individualism, and but it was depicting equality as bad. Um, Am I getting that right? If it's forced... If it's forced in the in the way it was being done, yeah. Okay, so so the the ponies that were had that the little uh, butt mark removed and replaced with equal C- cutie marks, cutie marks, whatever. <laughs> they, the cutie marks removed and put an equal sign. It was done against their will. It wasn't something they they, they wanted to do here. Uh, ultimately, no. no okay. they didn't want to. Okay. That's well, I think you're 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 mixing equality through opportunity versus equality, saying that. No matter what your strengths and weaknesses are, we are the same. Well, I'm, I'm just you trying to... how deep I'm, this conversation suddenly this, got? That gets, We're that talking about a My Little Pony That gets real deep real quick. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, is it, was this... Um, the, the creators of My Little Ponies and the writers, was this, was this aimed towards uh, how Americans feel about socialism? Or is it, was, this, was this, you know... I think the show was pretty careful not to get... Political. political. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah. That takes some serious writing. To, yeah, well, to, to that's avoid the, the, pretty much any cartoon show is, unless they, are, they either go all the way with it or they don't get political at all, right? You're either appealing to that base or you're shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> okay. So uh, so, uh, so then the little ponies with the equal signs were essentially eventually freed from their... Equality curse, if I could use that term. Well, I don't want to give out spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Spoiler Kevin, alert. Kevin, what he's saying is we have to go watch the show. That's... Yeah, you do. There's seven seasons on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay, so so that, that, that got interesting. Is, is it possible that maybe we're seeing too much in, in, the, in these cartoon episodes? Um, I'm a fan of a lot of shows. I've watched a lot of cartoons. I would say that none of them are quite like My Little Pony. Really? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things you, you just don't get elsewhere. Where uh, where else do you get six female lead characters? No, that's a good point. It's <laughs> a good point. So even yeah. with the, with modern day sitcoms, you won't see really that. Nope. Um... I love the pop culture references, things like uh, The Big Lebowski, Dumb and Dumber, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, those are hilarious. And these are references it, that children probably won't, won't get. get. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's clear they know who their audience is, and they're making it for the for that audience. 
It's still very child friendly. You can watch it with your kids, and there's lots of them. Lots yeah, it's, there for it's them. very colorful. A lot of lot of but bright something for you too. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bright uh, colors all over the place, so the kids will like it. Uh, sometimes, unless the episodes go in the other way. Oh, that's that, like I say, the art and animation is on point. They'll play with things like the color. They get a point across. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, okay, so so. Uh, I don't know where to go with this. This is this is so interesting. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, well, it's 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 interesting yet confusing. Yeah, and maybe that's part of the appeal too: is getting to know such a, a different culture than I'm used to. Uh, bronies have been studied, like legitimately studied, <laughs> and I've found another number of things that are, if not unique, pretty special about the the brony community. Uh, one being that lack of sort of in group out group thinking. Bronies want everybody in their group. Uh, they, you won't see anybody outcast or isolated from bronies. This is ant- antithetical to the show. It it wouldn't make any sense to us. Uh, okay. Well. Uh, uh, and and you've been to these conventions yourself? I have. How many of those did he get a year? Or uh, locally, we just had the one in Vancouver. Yeah, in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, but there's one in Seattle. There's one in San Francisco. There's they're wow. all over the place. Uh, next spring, there's a cruise from Vancouver to Alaska. There's a cruise. There's a cruise. And they grew, like open to, to bronies, brony themed cruise. Really? Oh yeah, and I'm wow. going. And afterwards, I'm flying straight to Vegas for another brony convention. <laughs> <laughs> so this has become a big part of your life. Uh, it's fun, that's for sure. If you look on my walls, yeah, there's a bunch of art and stuff I oh, got. So describe to me, you go into a convention. What happens? Uh, well, for me, I'd volunteer because then I get to make the magic happen. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to go through registration and you're going to get whatever you pre-ordered. And then there'll be, uh, in our case, we've got this great big convention center with a bunch of different rooms organized. And you'll see a schedule and you'll see in this room, uh, they're talking to animators about some aspect of animating the show. And then uh, an hour later, they'll have the voice actors in there and you can do a Q&A, a little panel. And then over here, it's how to draw ponies. And over there is something more specifically kid-friendly. Uh, Saturday morning, there's a watch cartoons and eat cereal event. And on and on and on. Uh, there's also a Nerf war because Hasbro also owns Nerf. So you'll get people show up just for the Nerf war, but a bunch of ponies <laughs> bring Nerf guns too, and you get a couple hundred people in a ballroom shooting Nerf guns at each other. It's pretty fun. <laughs> that, that sounds like a and good do, time. Do people start dressing up as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. They dress up as Oh, ponies. yeah, you get people in costumes. You get uh, small stuff like wearing a T-shirt or maybe throwing on a pair of wings and a horn or some ears, and then you'll get all the way up to the fursuits that people have spent thousands of dollars on and really pro looking <laughs> really my god mm-hmm. oh wow so this so these brony conventions are just like any kind of comic con convention or star trek convention they're essentially the same thing you get to meet the, the the talent behind the show yep you generally have some vips will be writers and voice actors and animators and such and of course, merchandising galore. There's a vendor hall. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and uh, this is where you get all the fan art. So much fan art, and music, and custom board games, and everything under the sun. And you'll find it all in there for sale, and you can spend tons of money. I know I did. That's where the real money is. Yeah, we got some beautiful, huge print that I can stick in a frame, and oh, hey, I might as well take it to the voice actor and get them to sign it at the same time. Next thing you know, I got something pretty cool on my wall. Wow. <laughs> okay. 
So, <laughs> and I look like oh, this is all I do all year long, but no, it's it's not. I enjoy it, but it can't be everything, right? No, of course not. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, so uh, you you've met do we, any? Do we know any of these uh, famous? I mean, I don't know the artists or the or the voice actors. Anybody uh, that we could have known in the, the general public, like <laughs> any famous voices or probably the most. famous famous one would be John Delancey. He played, oh, really? He played Q on Star yes, Trek. Yes, yes, of course. He plays a character in the show called Discord. He's a draconicus, a being made up of various types of animals, and he's a being of pure chaos. <laughs> so he's like his character in Star Trek. Exactly. And when they were voice casting it, they said, well, this character is basically like Q from Star Trek, and someone said, well, why don't we get him? And they did. Oh, and so in the show, he and snaps course, his fingers he, and just he, like he you. enjoys playing that role. That's, it's, yes. it's basically the same role. He does it so well. He's one of the most beloved characters on the show. And he's an atheist, too. <laughs> is he? He is. He oh, is. Wow. He totally yeah. is. Oh, wow. That's... I, I did hear that. Yeah. <laughs> we should have him on the show. With I've, I've always liked him. He'll, he'll come on the show. The price is $10,000. Oh, okay. <laughs> Scott, take out your wallet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're mistaking me for someone else. <laughs> I thought you were the money behind the show. Yeah. So all in all, if you were to have a minute to talk to the audience and make make the case for for My Little Pony, what would you what would you say? If you're confused and weirded out, it's okay. It's not what you expect. It's completely different. Give it a shot. Um, okay. Yeah. Wow. I just might do that. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you think of it. And you and you can watch this on Netflix. Sure can. Excellent. Thank you so yeah. much, Aaron. You, for... you can also watch some of the older stuff, the first, second, third generation My Little Pony. Oh, my word, is it painful. It's so <laughs> hard. So that, that was the original My Little Pony. Just just don't get them confused and then think that I'm talking about okay, the okay. early stuff. So, 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 so fourth gen, the, the fourth season, I guess? No, fourth, fourth, fourth generation. generation. Things well, from 2010 mean? on. Okay. In 2010, they rebooted the series, and there's an obvious visual difference. Oh, there's an obvious difference. Okay. Yeah. The stuff you remember from the 80s and 90s, it's, it's not like because that. Because when I think My Little Pony, that's what's in my mind. The 80s. Right? The 80s. Yeah, right? I remember that's the what's 80s. What's in my mind? The little, little, little plastic toy they had and everything. Uh, no, here, look at my wallet. <laughs> you give me your wallet. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, money. Covered in ponies. Yeah, it's a, it's a My Little Pony wallet. It's actually pink. It's got a whole bunch of different little ponies on it. Yeah, there you get a feel for the animation. It's different, right? Yeah, it's very bubbly. It's very anime Japanese style. Big, a, big eyes. It's a little over the top. Yeah. And at first, it, I was a little off put by it, but it grew on me somehow. And, and now, I, again, I totally see the appeal. <laughs> Which is, is, it's so funny because the, the, of course, the original ponies were, of course, you know, uh, geared towards girls and their love of horses. Mm -hmm. But to have such a big male following now. Yep. Just, okay. <laughs> so that's, I guess. That's part of the fun, maybe, is, uh, is the, the surprise you get when you tell people you're a brony. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. For me, anyways. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. And so what other appeals. Uh, do you have that makes the show valuable to you? Uh, well, for a lot of people, it's it's also those common themes of kindness and forgiveness and acceptance. And uh, there's an appeal there for people who haven't maybe been shown a lot of that in their life. Uh, people who are certainly have a lot of social anxiety. Uh, there's there's characters in the show like Fluttershy who you can easily identify with. Uh, I met people at the Brony convention who 
have agoraphobia, like a straight up diagnosis of agoraphobia, and they don't leave their house more than a couple times a year, Mm -hmm. but they can come to a pony convention and be in a room with 500 people and be okay. Maybe not great, but okay. And, And it's because they know they're bronies. You know, when we were playing that little video earlier on, it it seemed to be almost a common thing. The shyness of a lot of these bronies to give a, see a gives lot them of an outlet to come out. But it's all kinds. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you get a bunch of guys like me who are very outgoing and, <laughs> and have little to no shame. Yeah, but you, you, you play with the facilitating part of it, where you open up to these people and allow them to open up make the magic happen as you said yeah for sure if i see two shy people i'll walk up to one and say hey i'm aaron nice to meet you and then do the same to the other and turn back to the first and say hey have you met my other friend over here and there you go (laughs) yeah so you're 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 making it happen you're one of the facilitators you're actually saying to these people it's okay be be who you are right that's Mm -hmm. i'm not judging Now, what, when you when you come to somebody new, do you, you have a tendency to hi, I'm Aaron, and start start tapping your foot, you know, just to make, when I just meet a new person, make I, it more I don't pony-like? usually lead with the pony thing. <laughs> if it comes up, that's fine. I've got a lot of weird stuff I'm into. Ponies is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! In the very first episode, uh, the way they I guess they do the animation is they do it in different layers. And they had one pony whose head was supposed to be covered by a foreground layer. And the animators thought, hey, why don't we give her some silly crossed eyes? Uh, it'll be covered anyways, and it won't make it into the show, and who's paying that much attention anyways? So then the foreground changed, and it came off, and, uh, and the face was exposed, and they said, you know what, whatever, we'll just leave it that way. And Derpy Hooves was born. <laughs> of course, cool. Of course the fans noticed. They <laughs> said, well, look, this person is not just another pony. There's something special here. And uh, and they gave her a name and started Derpy drawing hooves. her. Oh, absolutely! And uh, and so they kept putting her in the show. I called her Derpy, and she had the eyes look all weird, and she screws things up. And uh, and pretty quickly there was a backlash saying, "What are you making fun of, retards? Are you are you so are the, you, are so you poking designed, fun at this person? Derpy so has sort of a, got a negative connotation here. This is not a so they designed her as a klutz eventually uh, at the at the beginning." <sighs> They didn't really design her at all. They gave her crossed eyes, and after that, the community picked it up. And then they embraced the community's vision of her. And then the community bit them back and said, what are you making fun of people here? And there was a, a sort of a, a reckoning there. It was a big controversy. And, wow, they, and in a future episode, they uncrossed her eyes a bit and changed her name in the credits, called her Muffins. And then there was a big backlash saying, what are you saying? There's something wrong with the way she is? <laughs> Not good enough for TV. It needs to be fixed. Some people aren't okay the way they are. Oh, and it just this was one of the biggest conflicts in the community. And I love it because on both sides, everybody just wants to protect Derpy and make her happy and okay. They just disagree on how <laughs> disagree to go about doing do it. it. <laughs> but, but the inclusivity the inclusiveness I, I i'm really impressed with the way you portray that because it's uh it's something you're not used to we're always fighting for that type of inclusiveness yes you know mm-hmm. don't single people out don't uh don't make people feel bad about themselves and yet here's a community that actually does that yeah. they live by it that's fascinating mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm really impressed with the community uh I'm a, I'm a fan of the fans of My Little Pony. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. A fan of the fans. Mm-hmm. So a, a new thing, I guess. Okay, I'll I'll take a look into it. I'll I'll seriously, I will look at a, one or two episodes of My Little Pony. 
And uh, thank you so much, Aaron. For yeah, no problem. Notice he's keeping the wallet. No, I'm keeping the wallet. That's right. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to reach across and all that. No. That's all right. I'll get it back. <laughs> Perfect. So, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and find out more about My Little Pony, where can he reach you? Oh, um, how about should I give out my email? Do it's, I do that? It's up to you. You don't have to. Dun dun dun. <laughs> All right, why not? Uh, skeptical Aaron at gmail dot com. Perfect. It's spelled S K E P T I C A L A A R O N at gmail dot com. Excellent, Aaron. Before I let you go, I gotta have you say hi. I'm Aaron Bays, <laughs> the Brony, and I took a left in the valley. Hi, I'm Aaron Bays. I'm a Brony, and I took a left at the valley. And that was a Brony, Aaron Bays, the Brony. Awesome. I love Aaron. He's such a great guy. Oh yeah, I love Aaron too. Uh, he's a very easy person to be around. He's you know he's very quiet. World. Yeah, he's he's a really nice, nice man. An absolutely interesting world, and you know I'm just, like I said, I'm just gonna have to check that out because I had no idea. And no. it just shows that I'm really not <laughs> following pop culture, yeah, I guess. We, we I'm so, not with it. No, we, we learn so many things on this show, don't we? Well, you know what? I, there's nothing There's nothing wrong inherently with, even if it's a cartoon, uh, with a, a show that has a positive message. You know, even, yeah. there's nothing inherently wrong with that. So, uh, this is great. So, I'm going to have to check it out now. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us on the show today. That was fun. My pleasure. <laughs> now that I'm finally back. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back, uh. ladies. So you can follow us on leftofthevalley.com. My knife's bigger than your knife. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> the comment of Scott have not been verified. <laughs> At least by you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you follow guys, us on Twitter. You guys were so well behaved last week when we weren't here. <laughs> What is, what is so, this, what is there's this a correlation here. There's a correlation. Presence. I'm thinking the women's presence here is what takes the show. It's what makes the show fun nonetheless. It is. At LATV Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook. You can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. Give us a five star review that would help others find the show and maybe we'll make it even better for them. <laughs> Coming up next week, we have Andrea Gretchen. We'll be talking about the devil for our Ghost in the Valley special. We love telling ghost stories around the campfire. That'll be fun. And then in November, we'll be talking to author David G. McAfee. That should be fun. And we'll also have Andrew Torres. Yay! (laughs) Of the Opening Argument podcast. He'll be coming to talk to us about the Johnson Amendment. And we'll also be talking to a Canadian atheist journalist. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we got some stuff planned to do and we got more coming up. Anything we need to add? Buy someone a Harry Potter book. Uh, Really? Which (sighs) Harry Potter book do you need? All of them, but start with the first one. (laughs) Let me guess. You want the J.K. Rowling's signed, autographed, hard copies? No, I already have Daniel Radcliffe signed. I'm going to start an anti-Harry Potter podcast. (laughs) But there's actually also really cool illustrated ones now. (laughs) They're beautiful. Guys, thank you so much. Until next time, when we go have some ghosts in the valley. Of course we do. See you guys later. Something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. 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 I'm an atheist.
Now let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, pun intended, I find it disgraceful The thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them the system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Atheist, atheist.